I randomly called an ex who was somewhat recent at the time, one Halloween night. And because it happened to be pretty late and on a Thursday, I was clearly operating under the assumption that he was not going to answer. So I'm not even sure if my plan was like to leave him a voicemail, which is arguably even more terrifying. But whatever my drunken mind thought at the time, it certainly wasn't prepared for him to pick up. Heartbreakers, welcome back for another episode of Interstates and Heartbreak. It is 4th of July weekend, and in keeping with the theme of New Year's, Valentine's Day, and Memorial Day of 2021, that apparently means it's time for a solo episode. So if you're listening to this the weekend that it comes out, I'm actually in Vegas and there's a slight chance it actually might be my last episode, to be honest, because if I don't survive the trip, I'm going to be like one of those artists who give explicit orders not to put out any unreleased episodes because I'm just way too anal about the final product to release it raw. So truly hope you enjoy this one. You never know. So initially, when I was thinking about what I wanted to cover, I did consider past Vegas stories and theme with this weekend, but in truth, the Vegas experience I have that's most podcast-worthy isn't even my story to tell, and I legitimately hope to have the person behind the story on as a guest one day. I also thought about what 4th of July stories I can tell, but I just couldn't convince myself that any stories about me getting drunk off the monstrosity that is UV blue vodka and throwing up in Newport Beach were worthy of their own dedicated episode, honestly. So then I decided to go a bit broader, a bit more abstract, and focus on the topic of independence from a relationship standpoint, particularly when that independence is of the unwanted variety that was granted due to a breakup. And interestingly, I actually don't ever think of this as a dating advice podcast, but for this week, I actually did want to dive into things that have helped me overcome breakups based on my past experiences. Everyone knows like the standard logical advice that you can't argue with, like setting boundaries and time heals all wounds, but we're moving past that. And so I wanted to bring you something a little less traditional, seemingly unhealthy, but actually healthy ways to get over a breakup. So let's dive in with the first way, go out. Really, this can take a lot of forms. Stereotypically, I know it's in the form of like a lot of girls' nights, and I'm certainly not above that, nor am I above those nights taking place at some of the most stereotypical or dare I say basic bars in Los Angeles. That being said, it can also take a lot of other forms. So maybe that means going to the party of someone who's in a slightly different crowd than who you usually run with. Maybe it's in the form of an organized activity, either a one-off or recurring that you didn't really prioritize during your relationship. One key thing to mention is that you can't always rely on other people to provide these opportunities for you. If you're someone like me, maybe you go out of your way to avoid complaining or being an emotional burden, and your friends aren't actively considering the fact that you might need some sort of therapeutic distraction because you just seem to be doing so well. 
Also, if you're in a friend group where a lot of people are in relationships, there's a chance that a lot of the planned activities might be double datey or coupley in nature. And people might either subconsciously or consciously shy away from inviting you because it just seems like it'll be awkward for you. So this is important to call out because you really just can't put your recovery in other people's hands by waiting on them to plan fun activities. So it might mean that you need to take the initiative to make plans to take it one level further. It might even mean that you need to make plans dare I say, by yourself. Shortly before my longest relationship ended, I'd actually just started recultivating hobbies of my own because I began to realize that our misaligned interests in the relationship were really impacting the way that I spent my time negatively. And then in the months immediately after this same relationship ended, these hobbies quickly took a backseat yet again because I really doubled down on online dating and going on those aforementioned girls' nights. And so in an effort to correct this, I took on three regular activities that didn't directly involve any of my friends. And the reason why is that I just didn't want to give anyone else's interest or availability the ability to stunt my personal enjoyment or progress post-breakup. So the first was super simple. I remember I really wanted to get a movie pass. So, you know, dating this relationship a little bit. And my ex at the time, he had zero interest. And so eventually I just got one by myself. And that resulted in many movies seen on my own after work or on Sunday evenings. And I still remember the night I went to see Lady Bird at this like hipster theater near my office one weeknight. And I had treated myself to Mediterranean food beforehand and just had like such a cathartic cry in the theater. And I know that sounds like pretty pathetic, but honestly, I can say I remember it because it was really a lovely evening. And I would have hated to have missed out on seeing that movie in theaters simply because I just didn't have someone who was interested in going with me. I also continued taking the dance classes that I'd signed up for towards the end of my relationship. Worth every penny, even though my choreographed dance skills are definitely on par with Amy Schumer's in the final cheerleading scene of Trainwreck. And finally, I signed up for a flag football league. And this was like a definitive post-breakup activity that I was not doing during the relationship. And the point of this advice, it's not to pick activities solely for the purpose of meeting guys. Like I knew for a fact that I was almost guaranteed to not meet any guys at dance class or the movies. And flag football, while an undeniable opportunity to meet men, was something I was genuinely interested in. And that's crucial because the girl who's like clearly out of her element and doing something that she's not into isn't really that appealing to connect with. Like people want to talk to people who are passionate and who they can sense share like interests with them. And also, I didn't then feel pissed off for wasting my time when the flag football season ended and I hadn't met anybody through it. So the second piece of advice I have is to make that beauty change that you've been thinking about. And revenge bodies are great. However, I'm not talking about that because I've never really truly obtained one. And yeah, sometimes after a breakup, I will throw myself into activities like dance or football, but the other aforementioned activities like going out and attending parties also ramp up as well. And those are definitely not conducive to revenge bodies. So unfortunately, I can't speak to that type of glow up, but I can speak to making a drastic change after a breakup in the form of a new hairstyle. And it was basically like the metaphorical bangs that girls always get after a breakup, except I can't actually pull off bangs, so I got twists instead. And for me, I actually sadly have to say that I'd kind of been considering this, but never seriously considered changing my hair 
while I was in this relationship because I kept thinking, what if my boyfriend doesn't like them? And that in itself is a really lame thought process rooted in insecurity, not even based on any conversations I'd had with him. But regardless, it wasn't until we broke up that I finally felt comfortable doing it. And I made a pretty drastic change literally like a week after things ended. So by the time he had even like reached out to talk and return my things, I'd like had this whole new look. So in no way does it have to be hair. That's just my personal experience. Maybe it's something as simple as reuniting with your favorite rompers that your ex would make fun of, or maybe it's as drastic as getting a tattoo that you know that they wouldn't necessarily understand or be into. Either way, there's something super empowering about making a change that you've been wanting to make with zero consideration for what someone else in your life might think about it. And just also taking on the attitude that the next person you date is going to be someone who just has to accept this about you and will hopefully love it about you. So the third piece of advice is surrounding going on dates again and when to do it. Sometimes a relationship has been on its way out for a while. And in those instances, when you know for a fact that it's fully run its course by the time you eventually break up, it is a lot easier to put yourself back out there. And I'm speaking from experience, like I had a relationship in the past where by the time that it ended, we just had so many problems that it was like, yeah, no, of course we should have broken up. And I just wish I had been the one to come to this realization and like take action first. And of course, knowing that ending something is the right decision, it doesn't really make you immune to the sadness that comes with the breakup. It just kind of helps you prevent from really pining over this person, wondering if you should get back together, etc. So you may still not be ready to go on dates immediately, but it can definitely help to accelerate your timeline. And to get a bit controversial, I actually think that getting out there before you think you're 100% ready is helpful for a few reasons. First of all, like when is anyone actually 100% ready? What does that even mean? That's so subjective. And if you're waiting for a time when you really feel that you're 100% ready, you will likely never go out with anyone. And this is partially because I truly believe that a huge element of getting over an ex is finding someone else who you like. The reason being one of the hardest parts of any breakup is the fact that you're like losing this person who you shared the majority of your life with. And it's hard to envision finding anyone who you'll connect with on that same level, someone who makes you laugh the same way, someone who seemingly understands you. Even if they were actually fucking horrible, the mere fact that you connected with them on an intimate level makes them just feel irreplaceable. But guaranteed, one day, a date will lead to the thought that maybe you could see sharing your life with some new person. And whether that person actually winds up being your next relationship is irrelevant to getting over your ex. The mere reminder that there are other people to connect with and get excited over is enough. And finally, I do think that there is something to be said for going on some lower stakes dates early on. So you're not going out with your dream person when you still feel super rusty and uncomfortable with the idea of dating. This doesn't mean that you should go out with people who you're definitively not into to use them as mere practice, but it could be an opportunity to venture out of your comfort zone a bit and kind of go for someone who you're vibing with, but who wouldn't be your exact type on paper. I happened to meet this guy like a month and a half after that longest relationship that I referenced earlier. And to call back to my first piece of advice, this was actually at a friend's party that I'd shown up to by myself and we hit it off. We went on a few dates afterwards and I was surprisingly like very into him. 
but I had met him before I'd even officially put myself back on the app. So I think he was like the first or second person who I'd gone on a date with. And I just, in hindsight, feel like the energy I was putting out there was like a little bit too extra, a little bit desperate, which likely contributed to why it fizzled out. So, you know, this hot girl summer, stay hydrated, not thirsty. Don't shoot your shot with your dream person right off the bat because you're probably not going to be ready for that. And my final piece of advice is deleting your ex's number. And I know that sounds toxic, but hear me out. So previously on the podcast, I've admitted that I am an actual psychopath. So I still have almost every text message I've received since I got my first iPhone back in like 2011. And even when my last phone started to run out of storage and messages was one of the biggest categories, I refused to delete any of them. So I'm not even saying you have to delete your whole conversation history if that feels too drastic. And Yes, this piece of advice might be completely irrelevant to those of you who are 100% strong and secure in your ability to withhold from reaching out to this ex, but deleting their number, if you're worried about what you might say, could serve as the extra barrier you need to avoid texting your ex in a moment of desperation, or if you're like me, a moment of drunkenness. And on Dating Post Ghost, I recounted how I randomly called an ex who was somewhat recent at the time, one Halloween night. And because it happened to be pretty late and on a Thursday, I was clearly operating under the assumption that he was not going to answer. So I'm not even sure if my plan was like to leave him a voicemail, which is arguably even more terrifying. But whatever my drunken mind thought at the time, it certainly wasn't prepared for him to pick up. It was eventually fine. Clearly, I didn't say anything too egregious, and there were no tears, there was no fighting, but it was still something that I absolutely could have done without. And I truly think that searching for someone's contact name and seeing that it's not there is oftentimes enough of a barrier to remind you that texting them is not the best idea. Like it just takes that extra level of effort, and you're likely going to second guess it before you actually go through with it. So this is actually something that I've employed since college, but to a more extreme level, because back in the day, if you deleted someone's number from your iPhone, but you still had it in like your text history, when you typed their name in, Siri would just completely throw you under the bus and bring up their contact information anyway. So this was probably my only exception to deleting texts. I completely erased this person's text history multiple times to the point where it would be obvious after he like texted me out of the blue sometimes, or we started talking again that I just like didn't have his number anymore. So eventually when we graduated from college and didn't have the chance of running into each other anymore, I remember he actually emailed me to get in touch, likely because he realized I probably didn't have his number and he probably jumped to the conclusion that I might have actually blocked him, which I didn't, but would have been a fair assumption given how often I deleted him. So just know that this isn't foolproof and the ones who want to reach out to you again will find a way, but at least you can take matters in your own hands in terms of you reaching out to them. So that is my slightly unorthodox breakup recovery advice. Obviously, I would never block you guys from contacting me, and you can always follow and DM me on Instagram. My personal account is Leslie Nope, that's L-E-S-L-I-E-G-N-O-P-E, and of course, the podcast can be found at Interstates and Heartbreak, all spelled out. 
Bye and see you next week. Assuming that all goes well in Vegas. Let's be exclusive. Subscribe to Interstates and Heartbreak wherever you listen to podcasts for more firsthand stories about the unglamorous side of dating in Los Angeles. And while you're at it, you can write me a love letter with a rating and review on Apple. See you next Sunday.